So we do have lots of visitors today and lots of babies, so I'm not going to be like that, that old uncle at a family reunion that prayed for like 10 minutes while everybody's trying to eat, all right? Um, the kids are going to be back in here in about 15 minutes. So um, before, I, before I open, to, today has been designated in, in our church um, World Mission Sunday, and this is a, a relatively new designation since 2019. So the next to the last Sunday of this season of Epiphany every year is going to be World Mission Sunday. The last Sunday of Epiphany, this is just a little history lesson, is the, uh, is the Transfiguration. And that's where Jesus was transfigured with Moses and Elijah. And, and the voice said, this is my son, my beloved. That'll be next week. Um, that story always bookends Epiphany, no matter how long Epiphany is. Epiphany moves based upon when Easter is. And Easter's real late this year. So we have a longer season of Epiphany. So now every year we're going to have World Mission Sunday and then the Transfiguration is our last two Sundays, okay? So it's Baptism Sunday um, because we just couldn't get it done um, back in the Baptism of our Lord. And so there's a lots of themes rolling around here. And I think I've, I've weaved in um, Baptism and World Mission together. That's my, that was my desire. And my thoughts are really with the parents. It's almost like a charge on baptism. Um, being a father of four grown children now, um, how do we speak into our children? How do we raise them in this world as, um, as followers of Christ in a world that um, even in this little area is getting more and more diverse? And, you know, it used to be groups lived here, groups lived here. We are, we are a world church now. We're a worldwide people. We're very global. Get on the internet. You can, you can send a message to someone and it gets to there just like that in Africa. Isn't that amazing? It still blows my mind, you know. Um, so world mission. So I want to open with a prayer um, for world mission. All right. So let's bow our heads, please. Almighty God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Um, pour it out so that every race and nation, um, that's beautiful. So um, just as a little bit of introduction, I, I think a lot of you know this. Um, so all the gospels have some kind of a mission charge to them. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the synoptic gospels, which are similar in form. They have a similar synopsis, so to speak, um, have really almost like a charge. Matthew has the great commission. Go, therefore, into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I know. And lo, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. That's the end of Matthew. Um, Mark's is a little bit different. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, and I love this, to the whole creation. That's kind of like the psalm we just sang, right? Psalm 96, chosen for world mission. Let the whole world rejoice. So we're to proclaim it to the whole creation. Um, and then Luke, um, who was, you know, he was one of those ones who believed who didn't see right? Luke was post-Jesus, so to speak. And he did a great uh, historical research. And this is what Luke says. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise, again, rise from the dead 
and repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, kind of beginning from home, if you will. You are my witness of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. Isn't that a beautiful statement? And still the Holy Spirit grabs hold of your life and just, you can't help but go. It's kind of like that first child when that child was born. You just want to tell everybody, didn't you? You know, you were just glad it was over, right? That birth, you know. Um, so anyway, till power on high. Uh, and these charges all have a little bit of difference, but the message is the same. Um, the gospel is for all people everywhere at all times. Amen. Um, well, I think three or four weeks ago when Wendell, um, who was our worship leader, those of you who are, are visiting, um, has moved on, and he gave a talk. So Gabe had to preach, so he preached like five minutes. And he simply said, the gospel is for all people um, everywhere at all times. Um, and so we believe that, right? All right, so um, this year in World Mission, um, it's, it's John's gospel. Um, the first two years, A, B, and C, we do a three-year lectionary. It's Matthew, but we do John's gospel this year. Um, and I just, I mean, I really geeked out on John's gospel. And so all I'm going to focus in on is that statement that Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I'm going to leave the Thomas story alone. That's for another time. It's a beautiful story. But as the Father sent me, Jesus said, so I'm sending you. What does that mean? So um, here we are. Here's the context. Um, Mary Magdalene had seen the risen Christ, come back, told the disciples she had seen him. Um, It was that evening, the first day of the week. Um, It was Resurrection Sunday, if you will. Um, And they're locked up for fear. And we all know now that um, fear of the Lord is one thing, but fear is not part of following Christ. We shouldn't fear. As, Gay, as Taylor preached last week, the resurrection changes that. It takes away our fear. Um, but there they were in fear. Um, and Jesus comes and says, peace be with you. Twice he says that. That's a whole other message. Um, peace be with you. Then he says this, as the Father has sent me, and I'm just going to read it from the text here. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Um, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. Um, I might get there depending on what time it is. But the focus I want to think thank you to think about is he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. All right. So I've always understood that is what it is. The, you know, God pours out his spirit into us. And that's true. There's no doubt about it. Baptism, I will say, you know. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Well, we know that Mamie and, and, um, and Chapman, that's going to be a growing thing, you know, as they begin to understand what God's doing. So there's this infilling, this pouring out that's going to go on throughout our life, right? You know? Um, but then I start thinking, as the Father sent me, Jesus said, so I'm sending you. And I don't know whether this is from the Lord or not, but this is where I went. I started thinking about incarnation. Incarnations being where the Father, you know, came and the Holy Spirit filled the womb of, of Mary and the, the Christ was beginning to be born and he birthed. That's incarnation, right? 
God became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, one of my favorite translations of that is a paraphrase is, is Eugene Peterson, the message. He said, you know, God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So hold on to that. Because I started thinking about incarnation. And as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you as people of incarnation. We're, we're people of incarnation. Um, even our worship has smell and touch and feel. And, and it's incarnational in that sense. And I believe that's what God's intent for us. Um, the Christian life is not to be lived in isolation. It's lived in fellowship. It's, it's lived in community. And it's lived out in community and fellowship. It's not lived out in isolation. And that's a charge to you guys. You know that. You came from New York. Um, and you, you expose your children. Um, in faith, yes, ground them. But the world is there for us to, to incarnate. All right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking through all this thing. And yes, you know, if Jesus is our model um, and we go as the Father sent him, yes, we go in forgiveness. That's what the passage said there. Um, and it doesn't mean that if we don't forgive, someone's not forgive. But I think it kind of does in the sense that if we withhold forgiveness, that, that unforgiveness in us is still working, right? And, and that's not good. And Jesus never held unforgiveness. So... And so somehow, I don't know this exactly, but somehow if we release someone by forgiveness, then they're released for God to do the work in them. And if it's through us, that means we're, in, we're with them. We're, we're inhabiting their life. And somehow their life begins to flourish because of our inhabiting their life in Christ, right? Um, so um, I landed there. And, I, and, and this is where I, I checked this out with 8 o'clock service, all right? I preached and I said, guys, you think I could throw this out at 10? And they said, yes. So here, hold on here. You ready? Um, I actually I was supposed to go to a small group Wednesday night. And so, um, and that's where I was going to go with them. I really wanted to just kind of blow their mind, you know? And, uh, and so I decided to keep it. So here it is. There is a creed of the church called the Athanasian Creed. Um, there are three creeds. There's the apostles and the Nicene, and we use those. We use the apostles in baptism and the Nicene and the other corporate worships that we use. The Athanasian Creed is in our historical documents of the church, and we don't, I think you could say it on Trinity Sunday. It is like three pages long, and I understand about that much of it, all right? Um, I do understand it's a mystery, but I, for some reason, I went there, um, and, and hear this. You ready? And I understand if you have children here, they're not going to get this. You might not get it. It is necessary, this is somewhere about three-fourths of the way in, to everlasting salvation that we believe rightly the incarnation. That's what the creed says. Let me say that again. It is necessary to everlasting salvation that we believe rightly the incarnation. So what that says is that there is a wrong way to understand the Incarnation, And he goes on, and for the right faith is this, that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, um, the Son of God, is both God and man. Yes. We don't really, know, really quite get it, but yes, right? Nobody's going to dispute that. Well, they did then, but they, not now. God, the substance of the Father, begotten for the worlds, so forth and so forth. And I don't want to keep reading, but this is what got me. And here it is. Listen, all right? Who, although he be God and man, this Jesus, 
yet he is not two but one, right? All right, so there's one, one Christ, both God and man, and this is what grabbed me. One, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of the manhood into God. I mean, I, I just like, this was, this was like Tuesday afternoon, and I was by myself here, and, and next morning, as soon as Gabe got here, I sat down with Gabe. As soon as Mark got here, I sat I said, and then I called my daughter, who's one of my children. Just a, she's a great theologian, I think, and talked this out. But let me read it again. One, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of the manhood into God. Consuming, if you will, the manhood into God. And I think it's both and. I think, yes, God's being poured out. Yes, God in us. Yes, the Holy Spirit's poured out on us. But what about God consuming us into, into the Godhead? Isn't that amazing? And so if incarnation is the call to mission, if we're called to be missional people, incarnation, that means when we go, we inhabit those places and not just throw the gospel out at it, but we, we inhabit it in such a way that people are drawn in to God. Isn't that amazing? Um, I, think, I think it could happen. I think that if we understand who we are in Christ, then yes, we're going to have an effect on the places that we live and move and have our being. Yes, we're going to impact our community. Yes, as people of incarnation, if we inhabit those places, um, then it's not that we're taking them into ourselves, but God who is fully in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, stay in the city till you've been clothed with what? Power from on high. Then that is going to draw people into God. In the very end, the ascension, Jesus, when he ascended to the Father, he took manhood, full flesh and blood, into the full presence of God, and that is our ultimate destination, right? So that means we should have glimpses of it now. Baptism. Um, these children, what you do with them um, has an effect on them if you inhabit their space. Um, parents, you know this. Have you ever like had an agenda for the day and tried to carry it out with children around? It's a tough one. What are we thinking? You got uh, you got to inhabit them. You got to be present to them, and then you find those moments. You know, if I look at Christ's life, didn't he inhabit all the places he went? Inhabited the, you know, the the dinner tables at the sinners and tax collectors. Um, so, as I had read all the scriptures and preparing to go to that small group and unpack all the scriptures, I uh, also looked at Isaiah. And this passage from Isaiah in 61, that's the passage Jesus in Luke's gospel when he came into the synagogue and he took the scroll and he unrolled the scroll and he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me um, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken. I've got two minutes here. <laughs> bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. The only way he did that was to 
to be incarnation, incarnate there, to inhabit those places with the poor and the blind and the prisoners. Um, and so as I was reading this, I, I kind of highlighted this area. You keep reading, and it goes down in verse 4, and it says, Then they shall build up the ancient ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolation, devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. And I'm thinking, who are the they? Well, the they are the poor that had good news, news preached to them. The they are the ones who were blind and brokenhearted. The they are the ones who had liberty proclaimed to them and set them free. And as they heard this gospel that was proclaimed, then they, as you go back up, they became what? Those who were mourning, who were given a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The they who were the poor um, now became called people who were oaks of righteousness. Planted in the Lord that they may be glorified. Isn't that amazing? This is, I believe, the effect that we as God's incarnational people can have on this world. That the world has changed. That the world can build up the ancient ruins. Any of you got ancient ruins in your life? You call it whatever you want. You know, skeletons in the closet, past wounds. Things passed on from generation to generation. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. This is what the Lord does in our life. And he does because of his presence in our life. They shall repair the ruined cities. The devastation of many generations.